want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com. Slide in our DMs on IG at faderoutepodcast. Drop us a DM on Twitter at faderoutednz. Comment on our YouTube channel, The Fade Route with DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it, we want to hear from you. Get at us in crowd. Welcome to The Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Fade Route with D and Z. I am Z and we hear about in these political races... Uh, the first hundred days, right? In the first hundred days, I'm going to do this. In the first hundred days, I'm going to do that. And we all know it's bullshit, and they're never going to be able to get anything done in a hundred days. But Steve Cohen, that before the ink was dry, forget a hundred days, maybe not even a hundred minutes. Brody's gone. Allard Baird is gone. Omar Minaya is gone. And the, and the GM is now vacant and Sandy Alderson can start building this front office for the Mets in this pivotal offseason with Steve Cohen's beautiful brand new billions of dollars. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? As a Met fan, you must be pretty stoked. As a Met fan, I am extremely stoked. I just wish they could get Kelnick, Dunn, and Kay back. That's the only thing. Brody Van Wagenen came in with his bravado. And you know what? Like, as, as a fan, you want that kind of bravado. You know, come after us. You know, like, when the Jets hired Rex Ryan, we're not here to kiss the Patriots ring. Like, that fires up the fan base. But then you got to follow it up with legitimate action. The Jets got to two consecutive AFC title games. The Mets traded prospects when they didn't need to trade prospects because they couldn't have a financially ha- have a financial gain. And now you're saddled with Cano, you're saddled with Diaz, and it's up to Sandy Alderson and the new regime to get from out from under that or just add more guys, you know? 
and Sandy got them to a World Series and with Omar, with some of Omar Minaya's players. Let's be real here. I, I said before in our production meeting, losing Minaya is going to be big because of his talent evaluation skills. Overall, I'm very excited, but you got to see what Sandy puts together, you know? Well, it's always sad, you know, to see people lose their jobs, especially during the times we're in, but... And that work out. And, uh, you know, at least Cohen is putting his stamp on the team. Uh, he's taking control. He's trying to right the ship. And you... Um, it can't. It can only get better, right? It can't get any worse. No, you absolutely. Know, for years, for years, I thought, you know, with the Jets, that that's what they always needed to do. They needed to just take out the whole regime, everybody, from the bottom to the top, start over, start with a min- a winning mentality. You have an owner here that is a big time Met fan. It's a lot of money. Wants to succeed. And he's going to try to do it. Absolutely. The only thing I find interesting is that they have spared the manager so far. So I wonder if Cohen looks back on the 60 games and saying, hey, this guy, you know, he he managed well. He deserves a, a shot with a full season with a full deck of cards and then evaluate him from there. And I think that goes with some of the players, too. And we're going to get to this later that, um, you know, there were significant strides, but, you know, you want to see more. I mean, a 60-game sprint doesn't really tell you that much about a player. No, and, you know, I, I honestly, oh, I like Terry Collins. I liked Mickey Calloway. Like, I thought those guys were all right. Like, you know, so, you know, we saw that, um, you know, the Red Sox went and got their, their old manager back. He's back. AJ, AJ Hinch is gone. You know, you're just going to put in somebody there right now to just fill the role until you can really get a direction, you know, get a heading, so to speak. So, yeah, I don't think that I don't think it really matters at this point. It's really about just building a team, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, old, the old Billy Bean thing, you know. I got nobody to feel the ground at first right now. Let me work on that. Absolutely. Uh, You know what? You you definitely need to worry about player development. And the Mets, for for the first time in a very long time, the Mets need pitching. So they're definitely going to be behind the eight ball. And we're going to get to that later. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Uh, let's discuss last night's game. It was not close. It was 34-3 in the fourth quarter, and the Packers <laughs> let the Niners up a little bit. And Nick Mullins stinks. C.J. Beathard stinks. George Kittle's out. How many guys had COVID? I mean, we know who's finishing last in that division now, unless something catastrophic happens to any of the other three remaining teams. But it stands to reason, especially now that Jimmy G is out for the season with that high ankle sprain, is he done in San Francisco? 
You know, just I mean, get, I'll give Nick Mullins a little bit of a pass um, because the left tackle was really having a hard time last night, and uh, he was able to make some really nice throws down the field, and he's doing it with the B squad, and some of those guys dropped some passes. McKinnon actually looked really good. Uh, I think their I actually think their defense isn't as bad as it as it looked last night. I mean, they're going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's got to give him credit, yeah. He's coming off losing the Minnesota Vikings at home. I'm sure he wanted a torch, um, but uh, I like their middle. I like their middle linebacker. I think his last name is Wagner. Um, they 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 got they got a good they got a good thing going. Um, talk a little about about the Packers. They look good, but after getting st- you know they got stomped stomped out by the Vikings in Lambeau, and that's why they came out ready to play last night. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to beat a team like the Saints in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be able to beat a team like the Bucks in the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to beat a team like the, the Seahawks in the playoffs. You know, they're missing a wide receiver. They need a number two, yeah. a solid number two, like a, an Emmanuel Sanders type wide receiver. And they're missing like a, they're missing a middle linebacker. They're missing a Mike. They're missing a guy on defense that's going to make that stop on third down. Uh, make that key audible call, Anthony Hitchens type player. Um, as far as Jimmy G is concerned, I mean Jimmy G twenty twenty three and five as a starter. Uh, I don't think he fits Kyle Shanahan's offense. Just gonna come out and honestly say it. I don't think he fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. Now Matt Ryan, now Matt Ryan kind of fits what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. So is it? possible that Jimmy G goes back to New England for maybe a third and a fourth round pick and maybe you sign Matt Ryan to you know to be your quarterback until you can get like a top 15 top 10 pick and get a you know get a new quarterback I don't know possibility that that is that's an interesting one you know Matt Ryan is available and he might be in ring chase mode you know, he might uh, decide that now's the time to get out while the getting's good in, out of Atlanta. It makes total sense. Um, Jimmy G's done in San Francisco, despite the <laughs> record. He's just, you know, he's not the guy that... But all the porn stars live in Los Angeles. What is he going to do? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he's going to have to... I mean, if Gronk could figure out how to get a porn star to come up to New England, I think... Jimmy G can figure out how to do that. It gets cold up there. They're going to need to cuddle. He's going to need to cuddle. You know, you just need that body warmth. <laughs> but um, I, I want to apologize to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You guys are not as bad as I thought you were. Uh, mea culpa, mea culpa. You guys made me look bad. Well, it's Adams not that is hard. trying to say he's the best wide receiver in the league today. Uh, easy let's not get that let's not not get crazy here (laughs) as long as there's deandre hopkins and mike tom you know julio jones mike evans you you might be top 10 i'll give him top 10 maybe not maybe top five on a good day but not number one no way buddy not even close but um yeah the the niners you know they show a lot of heart and Robert Sala isn't dealing with a lot on defense. He's making the most of what he's got. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's making the most of what he's got. And right now they just need a quarterback, you know? 
and the guys that they have on the roster are not the answer right now. Well, Matt I think Ryan I think COVID very... COVID hurt them too. You know, let's be real. They lost. Oh, yeah, you know, Ayuk yeah. last night at the last minute. I think Bourne also, and I think Kyle Shanahan had mentioned that about eighty five percent of the plays are supposed to be run through either Bourne or Ayuk. So. You know, it's that kind of puts a damper on things. No, absolutely. You you can't coach when you lose the you lose your key players. Yeah, you know? Fred Warren. And it, okay. yeah, it's it if you're gonna have practice squad guys there, you know, it, it's gonna give you it's gonna take a hit. You know, your offense, your defense, your team in general is going to take a hit, and that's 2020 in a nutshell for you. But you know what? Credit to Kyle Shanahan. Credit to Robert Sala. Credit to all the coaches in the NFL. They're making the best of the situation, and they're coaching up the guys they have. So, you know, good for you guys. Hopefully next well, year. Well, they have to, right? We, they have to because right. the NFL has made a decision that we're moving forward. You know, everybody's yeah. dealing with COVID. Figure it out. Like, they're not yeah. they're not going to have any compassion. They're not pushing back games. This game could have been easily pushed back to a Sunday or a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday like we've done mm-hmm. in previous weeks, and they weren't willing to do it. Uh, nope. they're about pushing forward, next man up. We expanded the rosters, you know, figure it out. So for sure. And part, and part of that is, is like, you know, Fox already lost one game this year. They pay for these Thursday games. Like they're not going to be happy losing. Even if it's a, a terrible matchup, they want, they want their eyes. They want their viewers. They, they want to get what they pay for. Absolutely. And and the NFL is also dropping the hammer. The Raiders were fined 500K and they lost a sixth round draft pick for COVID protocol violations. So, you know what? You got to do, you, you have to follow the protocols, you know? That means it masks above the nose, mask on, and, you know, you have to follow the protocols or else you're going to put your You got to wear your trace in because they're dealing with contract, uh, contact Yes, training. yes, yes. That's right. The the, the uh, Trent Brown, he didn't have his tracer on, and they had to quarantine the entire offensive line. Fantastic. Thanks, Trent. <laughs> and, and wasn't he the same one? I think we were talking about this the other day. Wasn't he the same guy who had an air bubble accidentally injected into his vein when they were giving him an IV? I don't know. That's incredibly dangerous. That is incredibly dangerous. You can cause an embolism. Like, what is going on with these medical staffs? First, they almost tried to kill Terod Taylor. Now they try and kill this guy. Kill him, you know. He lost. He, he he almost died. He lost his job all in two weeks. <laughs> poor guy. Man, this guy's a, guy's a walking country song. It's terrible. Yeah, poor guy. It, yeah, he stood on the sideline like I could have made that pass. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> this damn long. I'll, it's almost there. I'll turn this bus around. I'll give everybody COVID. <laughs> then what? <laughs> That'll ruin your precious season. How are you like? How do you like me now? So better from so-so news to much better news, depending on whether or not you're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. They pulled out the win, twenty-five twenty-three over my sorry-ass New York Giants. And the question is, like, is that a good win? I mean, a win is a win. A win is a win. But. Are you concerned if you're a Buccaneers fan or are you just like, hey, we won, we're moving on? I think it's a concerning win for Tampa. Um, You can see that the tempo and the mood changed right after Rojo fumbled. Um, 
they were, and then that was in the first half, but it seemed like they were going through an uphill battle for the rest of the game. There were third down incompletions. Uh, Fournette really couldn't get going. Like he was, he's getting yards, but he, he couldn't, he couldn't get first downs. But however, they get AB this week, which will get their offense tremendously better. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the, I mean, they lost Godwin to the broken finger, and now they got Antonio Brown. So, I mean, if you're going to upgrade, you might as well upgrade, right? Listen, say what you want to say. The guy is a stud athlete, stud wide receiver. Uh, a friend of mine uh, knows him very well, and uh, he's living with Tom. <laughs> he's talking to Tony Robbins a couple times a week. Uh, this is a tryout for him. And, you know, he's probably not going to stay in Tampa past this year, but he needs to show that he can be under self-control and he can make catches. And the fact yeah. that before the season started, you know, are you guys going to get Antonio Brown? Are you guys going to get Antonio Brown? Tampa Bay's like, no. Once he's getting closer to eligibility, Tom's like, you need to go get Antonio Brown. And he's going to be living <laughs> with me. I need him to play for me. I want to win a Super Bowl. And you're like, all right, we'll go get him. We'll get him. Whatever you, whatever you want, Tom. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. And it's kind of surprising to me because they have such an arsenal, right? They have so many weapons. Three running backs. They had three tight ends. Now they're down to two tight ends. They have three capable wide receivers. Their defense is, you know, really good. I mean, they, they struggled a little bit against the Giants. But, eh, you know, it was a, I think it was a Monday night game and – Yep. It is on the road. Give them a little bit of a break. They're playing in the cold weather. They've been 82, 92 degrees the last two weeks. So you're like, where? What? What more do you really need? Is that you really need Antonio Brown on your team? Like, and it just goes. It just tells me that he has a good chemistry with out in the summertime, and they're going to be going to him early and often. Oh, absolutely. If we saw, I mean, if that one game that they had in New England is any kind of sign like there's going to be passes aplenty to Antonio Brown. But I agree with you. Yeah, it, I think he had like eight targets, six receptions, 61 yards in the touchdown. And a touch. and, yeah, like it, it was a fantasy explosion if only for one game, you know. Like he won people some some games that week. So good for him. <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. It is a very concerning win. They should not play down to the level of their competition like they did. I mean, granted, it's a Monday night. And, you know, like the Giants are better than their record indicates, but they're still. You think so? I do. They try so? hard, man. You know what? They're, they're only one. They're one in seven, but they've been in almost every game and they got heart. And honestly, like you couldn't say that about the last few seasons of New York Giants football. They you they were very so you believe so you believe in Danny Dimes and not damn Danny Dud. Oh no, he's totally Danny Dud. But the rest of the team <laughs> around him with a competent quarterback like say Sam Darnold, I like that better than I like Daniel Jones. He's got he has ball security issues. He has as many fumbles or you know turnovers since Ryan Leaf. You never want to be compared to Ryan Leaf in anything. Especially if you don't have a good side business like Ryan Leaf did. A hundred percent. I mean, he was doing his thing. He was a distributor and he was having a, you know, he was having a good old time, but you know what? Like if you're not going to hold on to the football, 
you're not going to have a very long career. Usually you think about that in the terms of running backs. But with this guy, like, give him a glove, something. Remember when Teddy Bridgewater was having that issue and then they stuck a glove on him? Like, do something. Try something because it's not working. And then the questionable throws again and again. When Lewis Riddick, during the game, is saying he made the same mistake for the third time in the game. You got a problem, son. Throw the ball away if it's not there. I get it. You're trying to prove something. You're trying to prove that you're Danny Dimes. Just don't be Danny Dumbass. Throw the ball away if it's not there. And this is the problem when you don't have significant college competition. Like You are just trying to out-athlete your competition. And that doesn't work that way. You, you have to be a complete quarterback between the ears as well as the arms and the legs. And he's showing me that it's not there. Could it be there eventually? Maybe on another team. But in this instance, he's not there yet. I think the issue I have is, you know, you drafted this guy in the first round. Um, I think you expect more from him at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to compare him to Baker Mayfield, but you almost there's just there's just certain. I was talking I was talking to uh, uh, Mike Lenore from uh, Chicago today, and he was telling me that you know he just doesn't he he's he's missing throws he should be making. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's not he's not anticipating receivers getting open and maybe that has to do with the talent around him but on the goal line play um the back comes out of the backfield hits the goal line and and makes it and makes an out the ball's got to come out as soon as he hits that goal line because now you've given the receiver the you've given the defender time to catch up that they had a chance to go ahead in that game and granted you know brady probably got the benefit of the call Mm -hmm. the flag was picked up it probably was pass interference but if you throw the ball when you're supposed to throw the ball, it's not even a question. He's going to catch it. He's going to score. So yeah. it's things like that. And, 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 and you know what? A lot of people don't like Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is a, is a, is a decent coach. Like he's not, he's not a terrible offensive mind. If we think about what he did in Dallas, you know, for a couple of years down there, they had the number one offense. And he had Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott, who was a third round pick. You know, he's not. You know he's he, he, you know he's not Trevor Lawrence, he's not Russell Wilson, but he's 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 a competent quarterback, and I get what you're saying. Like you know he he didn't have the competition in college, and that that might all be true, but he he does have arm talent, and he does show promise. Um, I'm I'm not gonna uh, I'm with you. I think it's Danny Dud only because I think they could do better. Totally, absolutely. And honestly, the play calling, I have no issues with the play calling. I think Jason Garrett is doing a, a fine job of accentuating the positives of this team and eliminating the negatives, especially in light of Saquon Barkley not being there. So, you know, he's doing what he can with what he has, and there are flashes. You need more of them. And like you said, it is just that momentary hesitation or the lack of awareness and just those things are what makes you a dud. You know, it's what understanding and then not making the same mistake again is what takes you 
from dud to good and then from good to great. There is no progression there yet. And yeah. But uh, if I recall, if I recall in this, in this game, he didn't, he didn't have a fumble. He threw an interception, but he didn't have a fumble, right? Uh, he had a fumble too. Oh, he I did. think he had a fumble. Though. Yeah, I think he had a fumble too. Um, good but job. Yeah, you know what? He had a fumble, but it wasn't as bad or as egregious a fumble as Mr. Danucci from the Cowboys, who started one game. I believe the quote after the game was, "This NFL thing's hard." Like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Bullshit or no shit. Definitely Those guys no are trying shit. to tackle me. It's crazy. <laughs> so he's out. The Cowboys are now down to Garrett Gilbert, who I who last played with the Orlando Apollos of the AAF, and some guy named Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush sounds Cooper like Rush. It, it sounds like a deodorant. Cooper Rush <laughs> with hints of pine. Like, sounds like an energy drink. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what are the Cowboys doing? Like, I mean. Uh, what what do you what can you expect from these guys? Just don't shit the bed against the steel. Oh, by the way, they're against the, the undefeated Steelers is, this weekend. Oh yeah, and uh, not to mention Zeke did not practice all week. He's got a <laughs> hamstring issue. But I mean, they, um, they at least have a capable backup in Tony Pollard. Like I, I like him as a player. So like they may have something, but I mean, what do you think of the quarterback situation? You know. I think it's time for Jerry Jones to swallow his pride and go get Colin Kaepernick. You telling me Colin Kaepernick couldn't do better than Ben DiMucci did? You telling me he can't do good than Cooper Rush? Come on. There's not a lot of people going to be in the stands. If he kneels for the anthem, he kneels for the anthem. Get this guy out there and save your season. You're totally capable of winning this division. And he's going to be teaming with Zeke, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. They have the talent on offense. It's there. Bring this guy in. Let him play, especially with everything going on right now. That would be huge. And you're going to get all the publicity. You're going to get all the attention. And no one's going to be making fun of the Cowboys. And if the cow- and if he does sign him and he doesn't play well, you were the guy that brought Cap back. You were the guy that gave him a chance. Like, it doesn't get better than that, Jerry. Come on. That's true. It is all reward and very little risk at this point because it's the Dallas Cowboys. They love the spotlight, good, bad, or indifferent. They love the spotlight. It's what they crave. But this this situation apparently is a hill that Jerry Jones is ready to die on. And it's something that, I mean, you and I both agree that it's ludicrous, especially in sports, a results-based organization, you know, a results-based industry, like, who cares? If you, can, if you can get a good player that can help your team win, you do it. And then you deal with the rest of the crap later. And that seems to be, like, the main difference between what the Bucks are doing and what the Cowboys are doing. The Cowboys are willing to let outside factors tank their season, whereas the Buccaneers didn't shy away from the fact that Antonio Brown is a screw-up and a nut job. So, no, they're willing. To, they're willing to live with it. In fact, he is. A, he still has a court date in December. He might not even finish the season. Right. <laughs> exactly. But they're. You know what? They're willing to to roll the dice because they believe in their structure. And Jerry Jones is the owner. He's the GM. So if you're not willing to do this, you don't trust the structure of your team. Like, what needs to happen at that point? You know, you're not going to fire yourself as the owner and the GM. So you know. 
who's going out the door? Kellen Moore? Yeah, Kellen Moore is the guy who popped out Dak Prescott's ankle. And Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's going to get a pass this year, whether we like it or not. So do what you got to do at this point. You're still within striking distance of the Eagles and make it happen. You know, you think about, yeah, you've mentioned the Eagles. Think about the Eagles. I mean, they went and signed Michael Vick when he got out of jail. Like, exactly. That, that's a, they had to deal with all the PETA stuff. Yeah. There were people outside protesting every day. That's a lot. I mean, it's gotta, it's gotta be worse. I mean, and he played damn good for a while with Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun McCoy. They were they were running up and down the field. I mean, yeah, you got to you got to put your pride you got to put your pride aside. And and, pride aside. and to clarify, you know, it's not like we're we're not equating uh, Colin Kaepernick's protest with any illegal activity. I mean, yeah, Michael Vick went to prison, served his time, came back. He, I mean, Colin Kaepernick stepped away from the game to be an activist so i mean he shouldn't be punished for that in my opinion if you i mean it's like jim brown jim brown stepped away to be granted he he decided to go to hollywood but he was also an activist while he was in hollywood but i guarantee you back then teams would have welcomed him back with open arms oh yeah talent talent trumps all or at least it should the answer to everything is money. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. He's, he's only paying for half a year. Right. And you can give him an incentivated deal if you want because he hasn't played in two years. Exactly. You only got half the season to go. And you have a chance to make the playoffs. Like, you you have a legit chance to win the division. It'd be different if you were the Jets in at 0-7, but you're in a division where you're in it. You right. Got a, but... You got an opportunity. Exactly. So, see, Jerry Jones – we just removed all the excuses and bullshit out of the way. Make it happen. Go do your job. Go do your job. Speaking of guys doing their job, Drew Brees was held out of practice with a nagging shoulder injury. He's listed as, as doubtful. So there's they're saying there's a chance this Sunday Is he really? in the matchup. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's ruled out yet. So he, I don't think he's been ruled out yet. But as an abundance of precaution – should the Saints start Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill instead of Drew Brees? It's a big matchup. It's against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I mean, it's a rematch from week, week one and will have implications on the division lead. But should they do it out just for, you know, just for the sake of having Drew Brees later on in the year? I mean, I watched, I, I've watched, I think, two or three Saints games this year. And you could tell something's up because their offense, their scheme is let's get Alvin Kamara the football. It, you know, let's run receivers down the field. And it's either he comes out of the backfield with the receivers or he waits for the receiver to get downfield and then he comes out of the backfield. And Drew Brees is only looking for Alvin Kamara. Now, when Mike Thomas comes back, it'd be interesting if he starts to try to push the ball downfield. But from what I can see, he can't push the ball down the field. And we're going to really get a chance to see how good Drew Brees is this year when he plays outside this weekend against a top defense in Tampa Bay. So they're going to start Drew Brees. If he can, if he can go, he's going to go. But at some point, 
you do need to see what you have in Taysom Hill. Definitely, even if it's just like a gadget play, just to kind of get Drew Brees a breather and rest the shoulder a little bit. Or, you know, if it's somehow it's a blowout either way, you know, you get Hill some reps. Because we know what Jameis Winston is. Like We've seen Jameis Winston over the course of his NFL career. I mean, he's Mr. 30-30. Like, that's just who Jameis Winston is as a quarterback. Taysom Hill, he's got the, the curl, you know. He's got the intriguing factor because he is mobile. He hasn't thrown that many passes, so we don't really know what he is. But they're going to go with him, and I can't fault their logic because this is a game you got to have, especially if, if as the season draws to an end and you're in the hunt for a division title. So I've also heard that Alvin Kamara is uh, struggling through practice too. I don't, I don't know if he played today. I don't know if he practiced today, but um, that is definitely no, he practiced. Hamper- he, just, he did. He practiced. He just missed okay, Wednesday's good. practice, but he practiced fully today and yesterday. Good, good. So he's expect he's going to be in there. So as long as he's in there, they, they have a shot, but, we, we've he's their team. He's their yeah. leading rusher and leading receiver. He's the team. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, we've gone over it a few times, especially just, you know, texting during the games that Drew Brees' arm isn't, you know, it's not what it used to be. And, you know, a lot of that might be just not having Michael Thomas, but a lot of that just might be the fact that he's over 40 years old and father time catches up with everybody. So, they're going to start him, but I definitely, if I'm Sean Payton, I'm definitely giving Hill a look or two just to kind of, it, even just to throw off Todd Bowles a little bit. So you have to kind of mentally prepare for it, you know? Just that little bit of strategy is going to possibly be the make or break in the game. Yeah, I think this game has, like you said, large implications. Um, the Saints are going to go in there. And give their best effort. But, you know, the first time they faced Tampa, Tom and company weren't as sharp. This time, they're going to be ready. With Antonio Brown. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not forget that. If you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. So some interesting news out of the NBA as well. Uh, the Players Union agreed to a start on December 22nd. And today happens to be November 6th. So you have a little bit over a month, to almost two months to kind of make this happen. But is it too soon? Listen, the NBA season is starting soon because they want to get paid. This is all about money. You know, the other... The, it's 72 games. Um, they're going to be stacking them together. Uh, I don't think you, you're not going to get the, the top players out there every game or every week. It's just not going to be possible. But there, if we remember, there are a lot of teams that have been off since March. There are teams that have been off since April. So some of the league is fresh, but your top teams, the ones that were just coming out of the bubble, you know, they're going to take their time. 
there's some athletes like Jimmy Butler who started, you know, went right back into the gym right after the season ended. So, right. you know, there are some gym rats out there, but uh, I think it's too soon. I think they would have been better off starting in January, uh, going with like a 49 or 52 game season. And uh, just if you wanted to try to make up the dollars, you can expand the playoffs, but definitely go back into the bubble. Definitely. Um, December 22nd is way too soon just from a logistics standpoint because you still have to sign free agents. You have to, uh, you know, all of they your off-season the draft. Yeah, they didn't have the draft either. Exactly. So all of these off-season maneuvers now need to occur between today and the start of the season on the 22nd of December. And, oh, by the way, you have to get into a training camp and you have to build some semblance of chemistry you're going to have, I mean, it's a 70-something game season, but the first 20 games are probably going to be some of the ugliest basketball you've ever seen, just from the rust factor of teams not playing or, you know, teams not gelling together because they're not, because of the fact that you have some new guys you're trying to work into a rotation, not to mention the teams with new coaches. You're trying to install a new coaching, uh, a new philosophy and a new system. You're just, you're going to set some teams up for failure and a regression by not having that acclimation period. And that's going to, I mean, look, how many, how many draft, draftees do you think are going to hold out for a little bit because they're still negotiating with teams? They're probably not going to rush to sign the contract. I mean, granted, I mean, granted, it's money up front, but there's got, I'm sure they're going to want their slot. They don't want to hear that revenue is down. And we're going to get to the NHL, too, where, we're, there, where revenue is down and revenue is down across all sports. So you guys aren't you're not going to be making as much as they did in the past. And they may hold out for more, but I don't I don't necessarily see them getting it. So it, it's just going to be a clusterfuck until you know, probably late January, early February. So you also, you also worry about injuries, you know, you, you worry about that. You try to come back too soon. You know, players are used to, you know, conditioning in a certain way. Uh, these guys are big. Um, going up and down the court. You're taking a chance. I mean, remember the, in the NBA, the players are the product, man. So it's true. you have to, really weigh your options and make sure you're doing right by them. So yeah, that's true. I, 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 I don't agree with it. I really do think it should have went to a shortened season. You want to start in January, start in January, shortened season, you know, go back into the bubble for, for the playoffs because what do you, what are, what are they going to have to do? Fake a COVID just so they can get a day off <laughs> right. or a break. Right, exactly. You know? And then what's the point of that? So now you're going to get to a point where you're going to have players resting and you're not even going to have fans. So I don't. not only do I not want to go to the game, but now I'm not even probably going to watch it on TV. Right. Yeah, it, it's going to – it's such a weird situation, but it's only going to take one injury for a superstar player to throw this whole thing into upheaval. All it takes is one. And yeah, but once they start, they're not going to be able to change it. They're not going to be able to do anything. They're going to have to keep moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean they're gonna have to, but at the same time, like if one if one superstar gets hurt, it's gonna be a failure. Just from see that's kind of, it's 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 the opposite of NHL. NHL is like, gee, I don't think we should play this year. <laughs> you haven't heard anything about the NHL. You haven't heard about meetings, possible start times, possible shortened season. You've heard zero. That's because they're honestly thinking about not playing. And you know what? In the beginning, I was like, oh, they got to play. They have to play because they have to grow their brand. They've got to play because they got to stay alive and compete with other sports. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, man, if I was an owner, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to go through another season losing money. Forget it. I mean, we'll play in the summertime if this thing's all cleared up. But I'm, I'm, if I can't get concessions and gates and tickets and lots, I'm not putting anything out there. Oh, of course. And you definitely, you like, it's definitely a financial burden for these owners because a lot of these owners are cross sport owners. So you'll see like the, I think like Illich owns the Tigers and the Red Wings. So he lost a shit ton of money. He lost his shirt this year. They lost their shirt this year. So, you know, I get where they're. But then you get into, you also get into the situation like in Canada In Canada, they're not even going to allow you to play. Exactly. That's the other thing. You won't be able to cross the border. So you can't cross the border. No. So what are we going to do? Where was Calgary going to go play in Podunk, <laughs> Wisconsin? Like, what are you going to do? Right. Exactly. Well, the other thing they were talking about, and this is an interesting one, is to make it basically U.S. versus Canada. Canada is its own division, and the winner comes out of that division. We'll play the winner of the U.S. division. And or just regionalize the whole thing and then just have them play Canada at the end. And it's a crazy system that they're thinking about putting in with the bubbles. It's cool, but you're still not going to make the money. You're still you're still going to be out on the dollar. You're not going to be able to make the money. And then if you do go to that format, how many games are you playing? Like how, right. there's only what there's I think there's seven teams in, in Canada. There's only oh, seven yeah. teams. Yeah. 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 So it's like, <laughs> how many times are they going to play each other? Like, and how is that going to equate to what the U.S. teams are doing? It's true. You know, and then not to mention, let's not forget, a large majority of the players in the NHL are foreign born players. So now they're going to have to come from their country to come over here and play, quarantine, do all, the, all this stuff. Ah. I don't know. Like I said, I'm on board. I'm on board with the owners on this one. If we can't have fans, I'm not playing. I'm not putting a product out there. We can wait until the summertime and maybe we can then play. Unless the other thing I thought about is what if they played outside in some of these States, you could play, you could play outside and then you might be able to get at that point, maybe half the fans. If you started in January or February, I mean, hockey's hockey's pretty good outside yeah i mean the concept of pond hockey i mean it's like mystery alaska remember that movie with russell crowe it was like back in the day where just like these these guys from alaska like the they wrote about how they could play the rangers and they the rangers suddenly came up there and then they put they built them a a rink so pond hockey they ultimately lost right they did i remember correctly they did (laughs) but two of the guys got signed so you know it's not a total loss so look at the Rangers, good doing that job. Lafreniere and those two guys, good job. Um, but pond hockey is definitely an option. But then 
Then you have the issue with places where you can't play pond hockey, pretty much California, Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, the reigning Western Conference champions, the Dallas Stars, where the hell are they going to play? Because, I mean, it's not going to work. Vegas, like they have that one outdoor game outside in the parking lot at Caesars. It was, ra- it was Rangers Kings and the ice was melting in the middle of the frigging game. So, like, some, some of the logistics of this needs to be worked out. But if they can create outdoor bubbles, if they can do, like, a Minnesota bubble or, you know, um, maybe a Boston bubble or someplace where there's an actual winter and they can, uh, they can do these things where they can actually have the outdoor game, do a Chicago bubble, whatever it takes. So, I mean, the idea is intriguing. I don't know if it's realistic. That's the one thing. Like, I would love to see that. Like, I love the Winter Classic. I love watching that every year. And you're telling me I can get a whole season where every game's like the Winter Classic? That'd be kind of awesome. But right. I, don't exactly. Think, exactly. I don't think Donald Fear is going to go for it. At the end of the day, he is he's the guy that the owners are negotiating with. And given his history, he has no problem shutting stuff down given the fact that he shut down baseball for a year. Uh-huh. So right. we're, we apparently are at an impasse with the NHL. Yeah. They're, 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 you don't hear, you ever hear anything from them, anything at all. And I don't think, I don't think Gary Batman really cares. <laughs> it's like, people aren't going to boo me. Play. You mean I'm not going to get booed? Like, this is awesome. Like, where do I sign up? Play or don't play, whatever. Just let me know what you guys want to do. Oh my God. Poor Gary Batman. Oh, Gary Bettman, you're you are the the gum on the bottom of it. But to just to talk, and you know, even though the baseball season finished, and uh, you know they haven't really begun talking about it next year, but certain players, uh, one big name in in uh, in the news is Francisco Lindor. He may be on the move, and this is really, I think, a response to COVID and the pandemic because. Even though Cleveland is, I wouldn't call them a small market. They're a small market compared to Boston, New York, and L.A. Can they afford to have these players anymore? You know, if their ticket sales are going to be down, if their gates are going to be down, can they afford to have big-name players? So do you see Francisco Lindor on the move? And if you do, where do you see him going? Francisco Lindor is definitely going to get traded. The team said as much, but um, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, these teams are taking a bath, man. And like they're, they're a middle market. I wouldn't necessarily say they're a small market. They're not, they're not the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's, let's be real about that. They're, you know, they're mar- their fan base is strong, but there's no income coming in. So salaries can't keep going up if there's no income coming in, that's just economics. It just can't work that way. Now, certain teams, maybe your boy, Steve Cohen will go get him. Ah, that's the thing. The Mets, the Indians are going to want a major league ready shortstop. Now the Mets have that in Ahmed Rosario, but they also have Andres Jimenez. So they do have some pieces. My thing is this. I don't necessarily think that the Mets need Francisco Lindor. I was very impressed with Andres Jimenez and like some of the mock trades I've seen, 
you're sending back Pete Alonzo. You're sending back Dom Smith along with him. And, as, and like, I don't really feel that it's necessary to gut the core of my team for a Francisco Lindor. That maybe that's me. That just, that, that doesn't whet my appetite. Now, a team like the Dodgers, the world champion Dodgers, they can afford him. And they have a great farm system that they can actually cull from. Guys like Gavin Lux, guys like Dustin May. Uh, you, you know, we saw them this year. Uh, Brewstar Gratterall, the guy that they got from Minnesota. And guys who... We are you have, saying the Dodgers? I'm saying the Dodgers have just as shot as anybody because they can just... They're losing Justin Turner. So you can move Corey Seager to third base. Or you can move Lindor to second if he's amenable to it. And then you could have Chris Taylor slash Kike Hernandez at third base and you know you keep on plugging away so yeah they have like, uh, that guy kyber ruiz and josiah gray and edward rios yeah but how many um, of those guys are how many go those guys are going back to the indians in the trade though so that's what, no that's what i'm trying yeah. to say i'm saying that the indians can go and trade for those guys you know send us those guys and we'll give you francisco Lindor. I, I see that happening and then you have of course as always you have the new york yankees now, granted, they're not going to give up Glaber Torres, but they have a couple of young shortstops that are in the in the pipeline. Some of them are, you know, maybe one or two years away. So if you can sell the Indians on maybe a Miguel Andujar or a Clint Frazier. Yeah, or... Clint Frazier would be a big name in that deal. Yeah. And then they'll take they'll take the, sh- the shortstop. Uh, I think his name is Oswald. Per Perazada, yeah, Peraza, Peraza, yeah, and then, yeah, and then they'll take you know one of their pitchers, maybe Contreras. Yeah, I mean Contreras, maybe Schmidt, Garcia. I mean, maybe even a guy like Michael King would be like a little sweetener at the end. But the other guy, the other thing you can do, like they have Jason Dominguez, right? He's seventeen years old. He is. A few years away, he's about three or four years away. Are the Indians sold on that prospect ability and then take a few lesser guys if you're going to send them a guy as well regarded as Dominguez? So I can't, they- I can't, I can't see that happening. Maybe the Angels can get involved. You know, they have uh, Brandon Marsh, Jeremiah Jackson, they have that really good reliever, Chris Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say that the, the Angels have good pitching prospects, but they do have uh, right. decent handers. Uh, that seems like a good spot for him being, you know, be there with uh, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and team. But true, uh, and they do have. It's a, definitely going to be. It's going to have to be a big market. Um, yeah. I know one of the things they were talking about was possibly the Reds getting into the mix. The Reds would clearly just do it just to get tickets, you know, ticket sales. Yeah. They can give up they can give up like Hunter Green or Nick Senzel. You know, something something like that. Um, and then he would be obviously Lindor would be their prize player. Yeah. Um, and then there's definitely options if if they're gonna deal him. You're saying it's definitely gonna happen. I think they're gonna try, but like you said, I think it's a soft market given what's going on. For sure. And I think that the Angels are a good landing spot. That's a great call on your point, especially since the fact that Angelton Simmons is a free agent. So they now have a gaping hole with shortstop. So that you know, guy. If, if that of, yeah, great glove. 
great glove and not a bad bat either. So, I mean, you do have a few options now that, you know, like, like I said, Simmons is a free agent. I was thinking the Phillies, but they don't have enough. Like you're going to have to give up. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's really not much there. And then I was thinking like, I mean, but it then finances really like shot that down a team like the Marlins, like you, you turned a corner this year. Maybe you, you know, maybe you put together some of this young talent, you send it to Cleveland and you get the face of your franchise, you know, but they're not going to pay him. No, they're not going to pay him. No, they're not going to pay him. But the only way that would happen is if Cleveland kicked in a portion of the salary, but if they're strapped as they claim to be, then that's not going to work. So in a regular season where teams were earning money, like that could possibly have been like a sleeper team, but really like there's a, a clear line of separation between the rest of baseball and just the, uh, the teams that can afford it. And who knows when, when this is going to end. Order up. Speaking of free agents, we have our newest segment here. It's called Order Up, where we're going to ding, 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 ding. We are going to rank the top five available free agents. And we're only going to do five because we know that there are tons out there. And I'm sorry, Masahiro Tanaka fans, but we're not going to go over everybody. He's trash anyway. (laughs) So we have limited the list. Brett Gardner's not on it. We've limited the list to Marcus Stroman. JT Real Muto, George Springer, Trevor Bauer, and DJ LeMayhew. So we're going to rank those guys from five to one, five being the worst, one being the best. So what do you think, D? What is your order? Uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you on this. I want to hear what you got, and then I'll, uh, I'll try to put my list together. Okay. All right. You're going to uh, – I see it being a little cagey here. I like it. So for me, number five is clearly Marcus Stroman on this list. He is not in the same stratosphere as the other four. And we were struggling to put together a fifth one, a fifth guy on this roster, but we decided that we would put him in for the sake of having two pitchers. And for me, Marcus Stroman was eh as a Blue Jay. He was eh as a Met. And he's just going to be eh for whatever team he goes to. <laughs> like the, he's, I mean, as big of an arm as he has, he has an even bigger mouth, and that bothers me. So you're on the you're number five, Stro. Uh, number four for me is JT Real Muto. He's 30 years old and a catcher. That gives me a little bit of pause because at any given time, his body's going to start breaking down. I mean, look at Yadier Molina. He's a shell of what he used to be, and the shell of what he used to be is still pretty good. But JT Real Muto, you're going to be paying – you're going to be paying prime money and prime years for a guy who's not going to be giving you as much at the end as you're going to get in the beginning. Then that leaves George Springer at number three. Springer will be great in the short term. You can also transition him into the DH role. I think that's a great option for a team like the Mets who have a glut of outfielders as it is and who can kind of especially if there's a universal DH moving forward, they can kind of maneuver some guys around and George Springer's a local guy. So 
if ever they put asses back in seats, that will put asses in seats. Uh, for me, number two is Trevor Bauer. Huge talent. Love the personality. I think it's just a Because <laughs> you want to be a Met. I wanted to be a Met so badly. Behind him and DeGrom, forget it, man. That would be awesome. But it's the wrong year for him, especially in an econo- in a economic, quote-unquote, depression in sports. Like, you know, and who knows what his performance is going to be moving forward. Like he was okay. Then he got, then he had a little upward tick and he may just end up being a guy who's just okay. Not AJ Burnett, not in that AJ Burnett kind of role where he was great for that two years. He was with Doc Halliday and then just kind of coasted off of that the rest of his career. But I just don't see him being as excellent as he was this year over the long haul. And that, for me, number one is DJ LeMahieu. Very versatile, can hit regardless of where he is, and that plays. And in a, in a climate of Major League Baseball where it's all about the three true outcomes, I think a bona fide hitter is going to play longer. So that's why I'm going with LeMahieu as my number one. Okay. So for me, I mean – uh, we, you know, we had to add a pitcher on here just to, you know, keep it fair. Uh, but to me, Stroman and a guy like Charlie Morton are pretty much interchangeable at the five spot. You know, you got a guy that can can really deliver the baseball. He can come out uh, every fifth day or every fourth day. Charlie Morton, you'd be taking a flyer on him because he's looking to maybe retire, but he also wants to stay close to Florida. So. You might be able to get a veteran pitcher. Strowman, same deal. He's got good stuff, and he's definitely reliable. Now, oddly enough, my fourth guy is DJ LeMahieu. Now, listen, I, okay. I think he's a guy, great. I think he's a great player. I, I'm starting to think these last two or three years were a little bit of a fluke, but he can play first. He can play second. He can play third. He probably can play shortstop if you needed to him. He's a batting champ, MVP candidate. You know, two I think two years ago, stud guy. Uh, but to me, he's fourth in this list. Now, third is one of my favorite players is actually George Springer. Now I know he's had some health issues, okay? But this guy is seventh in postseason history in home runs. He's ninth in extra base hits. Like that's incredible. He's only thirty-one years old. Like that's amazing. And and he and he plays a great outfield. He has a good arm. He can steal bases. He's everything you'd want in, in an everyday player. Um, my second guy is Real Muto because he's the best catcher available. And to get that kind of productivity out of the batter's out of the catcher's position is phenomenal. I mean, I just think about Grandel, this Yasmani Grandel this past season and, mm-hmm. and how valuable he was. And I just think Real Muto could be that that kind of stud. And the number one for me is Bauer. Bauer is batshit crazy. This guy had a <laughs> 1.73 ERA. Okay, wait, wait. Now this offseason, he's not signing a long term deal. He's decided he that he wants this. He wants to sign one year contracts because he wants to continue to prove how great he is. This guy's willing to take the ball every two days. <laughs> like, and I think. I think if you're going to add a guy like that on your team that wants to go out there, wants to compete, bets on himself, that's the guy, man. That's the guy. 
Order up. <laughs> order up. What's your order? Get at us on Instagram, Fade Route Podcast. Email us at faderoutmailgmail.com. What's your order? Let us know. But the uh, but some honorable mentions that we you know weren't on our list that I think are very good players that'll be you know any team will be lucky to have them. Uh, number one it, to me would be Didi Gregorius. Uh, mm-hmm. He played really well for the Yankees. He replaced Jeter. He's a solid player. He can hit. He can feel his position. Uh, you know that, that Tommy John. I think he had Tommy John surgery, right? He, he did. Sur- yeah, he had some surgery, but he's still coming back from that. Justin Turner. Justin Turner's an older guy, 36, 37 years old, but this guy's the all-time postseason home run leader for the Dodgers. For the Dodgers. And he still play he plays the hot corner well. Definitely not as good as he played it five years ago, but he plays it well. And he is proof that age is just a number in baseball. Like, you know, it's a young man, it's it's a kid's game, but you can play it until you can't play it no more. Um little Yogi Bear isn't there. And then uh Mike Miner, your favorite guy, Mike Miner. <laughs> Mike Miner. Mike Brian Miner. Cashman's favorite pitcher. Mike Miner is Tim Hudson. He's I swear because he can he can pitch a game. He has no way to get anybody out. Like he can't strike people out or put people away, but he finds ways to get people out, like ground balls, pop ups. He's a he, he's a he's a solid starter. So those are some other guys. Oh, and oh, one man. of my favorites. One of my favorites is Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson, he can't hit lefties, but, man, he could tattoo the ball off of righties. And he almost got dealt to the Angels in this past offseason, which I think would have been huge for the Angels if they got him. But he winds up winning the pennant with in the World Series with the Dodgers. But uh, he can definitely play on a lot of different teams, especially um, in a DH role. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just we'll add Marcelo Zuna in there, too. That's going to be a big get for whoever gets him. Like, the guy is a stud outfielder. He's got pop. He can play. So He just can't, like, play, the, he can't play the field as well as some of the other guys we mentioned. But he definitely can hit the shit out of the baseball. Yeah. Um, I know he's another guy that bet on himself this year because I think he had a deal. He had an offer to go to the Reds. I think it was like a three-year deal or a five-year deal. And he's like, nah, I'm going to go to Atlanta. Show them how great I am, and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> I, that sounds yeah. about right. But, uh, yeah. Did we miss anybody? Let us know. I mean, there's one guy we know we didn't miss, and that's Brett Gardner, because screw Brett Gardner. Nobody wants Brett Gardner. <laughs> I can't believe he still has a job. That was, how he's on the Yankees for all these years blows my mind. Time to see what's cooking this weekend, sponsored by As You Eat It, only on YouTube. That's A-Z, You Eat It. Check it out today. How did you do last week? I went seven and six last week. I went seven and six as well. It's actually been my worst week since week three. So, you know, like we'll see how it goes this week, but uh, already off to a great start with Green Bay. Thank you, boys. Boom. Uh, so I have uh, – this one took me a while. At first I wrote down Washington over the Giants, but I actually think the Giants are going to get another victory this weekend. They beat the Washington Redskins. This is a tough one for me. I have been with the Giants. I've picked the Giants all the way. The more I think about Daniel Jones, the less excited I am about that pick. 
But then I see that they're starting Kyle Allen, and that makes me feel okay. So we've Patrick, got a chance. We've got a <laughs> chance, exactly. Patrick Graham and that defense, it plays. And that's important. You know, the defense is much improved, and I think they're, it's going to be a defensive win for the Giants. All right, another good game this weekend is Tennessee against Chicago. Tennessee got beat by the Bengals. Rookie Burrow tore them apart. Chicago had a had a letdown, but if you ask Matt Nagy, you know the the record. You you are what your record say it says it is. So um, I think Tennessee rebounds against Chicago and, and takes them out. Joe Burrow had a hell of a game last week against the Titans. Nick Foles hell. is not Joe Burrow, and Mitch Trubisky sure as hell is not Joe Burrow. So that leaves the Titans. Now I don't know if Derrick Henry's going to have a great game just because the Bears' run defense is quite stout. But, um, yeah, it might be the Ryan Tannehill show, but the Titans are going to win. Mitch Risky got hurt on the one play he played last week. He had to go get his <laughs> shoulder checked out this week. This guy. <laughs> Just trade me, Matt. Stop fucking sending me out there to get hurt. My redemption story. Oh, shit. Damn it. Uh, I'll give everybody this team COVID, I swear. <laughs> Um, okay, I think Minnesota's on a roll. I think they're going to beat Detroit this weekend. Well, Stafford, I think, is on the COVID list, so that should be an easy one. Just keep feeding Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins can't screw that up. So we're going to go with the Vikings. Okay. Uh, this is actually going to be a good game, too. I was tempted to take Carolina, but ultimately I took the Chiefs. It's going to be closer than people think it is. You know, people are writing off the Carolina defense, but – I like the Carolina offense a lot with Robbie Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, C-Mac is coming back this week. Christian McCaffrey's coming back too. So you do have, you know, another weapon for Teddy Bridgewater to use. That being said, it's still the Chiefs, man. You got to run with the Chiefs. Um, uh, blowout City, I got Houston over Jacksonville. Mike Glennon is starting that game, and, you go know, Mike. go Mike. You know, he's just going to play well enough to lose. And Deshaun Watson, it's time for you to have a game. So go out there and have a game. Texans are going to win. Uh, tough one for me was Baltimore against Indianapolis. I was tempted to pick Indianapolis, but ultimately I went with Baltimore. This is a get-right game for the Ravens. Like, they need to really kind of clean some stuff up. Lamar Jackson hasn't been playing that well. And, yeah, they got to they gotta put some hurting on Phillip Rivers in order to keep this a winnable game. So, I'm going to take the Ravens. Okay, uh, really good game up in Orchard Park. I'm taking Seattle over Buffalo. I think that's an upset. I was tempted to pick the Bills, but I'm going to go with Seattle as well. Seattle is... You know, offensively, they're going to roll. Defensively might be a little bit of a struggle. So, Allen is still going to get his, but it's going to be a shootout. Seattle's going to take Buffalo is not as good as you think they are. They only average around 20 points a game, and their defense is lousy. Yeah, their de- I mean, their defense is lousy, but Seattle's is lousy too. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be a high-scoring game just because it's going to be a 7-on-7. Pretty much. Um, I'm actually taking Atlanta over Denver. Okay, there we go. Uh, I mean, it's a fine choice. It's, it's really like 
I mean, it's really a toss-up game. Neither team is really going anywhere. Um, I'm going to take the Broncos off the heels of what they did last week against the Chargers. Uh, Drew Locke, he's got some moxie, man. So I think I'm going to ingratiate myself to my new hometown, and I'm going to take the Broncos. Um, I think this is an upset. I have the Chargers over the Raiders. Ooh. This is tough. Like, you know I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. And if he came out last year, I would have loved for the Giants to have taken Justin Herbert over Daniel Jones. But I'm going to Don't you have a picture of Justin Herbert over your your toilet in your bathroom? I do. I have him (laughs) in his Oregon green with a thumbs up like Chuck Norris in Dodgeball. It's very interesting. Like it's like thank a, you, thank you. Thank, it's right. <laughs> so I should have won that tournament. Me, oh, um, <laughs> I'm taking the Raiders though. I mean, as much as I like Justin Herbert, Derek Carr's a man on the mission. He's got Josh Jacobs. So let's roll with it. Let's keep rolling with the Raiders. Uh, pretty easy. I'm taking Pitt over Dallas. That's gonna be a blowout. Blowdy out. My only question is, when is Josh Dobbs going to get in the game? The third quarter or the fourth quarter? Because it's going to be uh, slow. Probably, probably third quarter. Third quarter. Yeah, uh, I would say third. I'm taking Miami over Arizona. I believe in the Miami defense. I've been saying that since Ooh. the beginning of the year. I think their defense are they're studs. This is a tough game. As much as I love the Miami defense – they got to be able to move the ball on Arizona. And I'm not convinced that Tua Tungavailoa can do it yet. I mean, he only – he threw for under 100 yards. Last yeah. week, yeah, they got – I mean, they had – it was they had a heck of a defensive game. But I think Kyler Murray is going to carve up the Dolphins' defense. And the Cardinals are going to win. And really nice uh, that uh... – that he, you know, he got into the game and he played really well, but defense uh, is uh, is pretty good. All right, and then we yes. got. Uh, I'm taking. I'm taking Tampa over New Orleans. The first time it was like you said before. Tom Brady was just getting to know these guys. Now they're they are they're running on all cylinders, and Drew Brees does not have the weapons that. Tom Brady has Drew Brees is barely healthy. It's not going to be close. The Bucks are taking my, up, my upset of the week is COVID over the Patriots. My <laughs> goodness, over the Patriots! They you get are... their first win. Somebody put Bill Belichick on suicide watch. <laughs> oh my God! Really? You're taking the this Jets. is the Jets Super Bowl. This is it. This is it. I am in shock. Monday like, night. It's yeah. Monday night. It's in New York. This is it. This uh, is it. I mean, I hope you're right. For From your lips to God's ears, I hope you're right. But, yeah, I I can't do it. I just, I just can't do it. But I'm, I'm going to roll with the Patriots because I just can't do it. I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, Adam Gase has broken me. I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't do it. All right, all right, all right. This has been another great episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z. That is D. Thank you for getting faded with us. And um, we're now on TuneIn Podcast as well. So our reach is growing. 
You can find us and all major podcast providers. Email us, faderoutemail at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Fade Route Podcast. Get at us, and you could possibly be on the show. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch all of our podcasts on Friday nights. Uh, and stay faded until next time. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.